Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. Guys, welcome back to Construct Your Life. This is Austin Linney here. Before we get introduced, my amazing guest, uh, I just want to thank uh, Mr. Carswell, Adam Carswell from DreamChasers.com for sponsoring the podcast. But guys, we, we have the only human being that I've ever met on the planet that has more ideas than me. Um, I have no idea where this show is going to go. Mr. Rob Bergeron, how you doing, my man? Oh, top notch. Pleasure to be on. Uh, I was listening to Templeton talk earlier today. He seems like a real smart dude, too. Yeah, man, he's got it going on. So, so Rob, why don't you tell everybody what you do? Uh, I don't even know all the things you do, but but, but fill us in. Uh, well, I guess by trade, I'm a realtor, but like I like solving problems um, and connecting people. Uh, so I, I don't know. I started a company with uh, John Farber and Joe... Um, Joe Worth, where we wholesale, we're flipping. Um, I've, I've got it like a, a, this weird wholesaling like company as well, but it like just congregates all the wholesalers. I don't know, but there's just a lot of cool stuff to do. And it's I'm a, a squirrel where I, I get excited about everything and I get some of it done, but I really just need to focus more. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get started in real estate? Oh gosh. Okay. So um, I graduated from University of Kentucky and uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I worked at this retirement community and I was supposed to be in uh, Chicago and they put me in Iowa. And I was like, so depressed. I cried three times. I lived in the senior home as a 24 year old. So I have a really great vantage on uh, re- respective on life. Um, but I saved a ton of money, paid off on my student loans. Uh, I, then I bought a sailboat and lived in Florida for like eight months, moved to Ecuador for four months and then moved to Louisville to do real estate. And I'm from Ohio um, and the market wasn't as great. So I was like, hey, I'll move here. I've got a few friends. They're married. So it was like, I have no friends. Um, and I just started doing real estate here. Yeah, I, I love that you've been around. That explains a lot. Um, you know, I think a lot of what interests me and I'd love your perspective on it. It alarms me how much, how many agents don't invest. Oh, or like, yeah. don't even know what wholesaling is. So, you know, what, what got you switched on to that and kind of your feelings on why agents don't understand that game? 80% of agents retire without a retirement, which is insane to me. Um, I used to be at Keller Williams. I'm not there anymore. But Gary Keller, um, a couple of years ago, finally said, the first thing you should be thinking is, should I buy this when you, when you have listing appointments? And I was like, where has this been for all these years? But um I actually, so like I said, I didn't really know anybody in Louisville. So I was just advertising on Craigslist like crazy. And I was like a real jerk about it. If you put one post up, I put 50 to knock all your posts up. Oh, on a side note, let's talk about your water diet. How's that going? It's going good. Stay on task. Stay on task. We'll get I try to drink, I try to drink 150, 100 per day too. But no, so 
I was advertising on Craigslist and um, this guy named Hampton Scurlock uh, reached out to me and he liked that I was attentive and he was buying uh, like D area properties are really cheap, but I was really responsive to him. And then, so he started working with me and everybody else was like, well, shoot, if he's working with Rob, I should work with Rob. And then I was like, well, shoot, I've got to learn all this stuff. And the thing about investment properties, you don't really make a lot of money per deal because they're usually pretty cheap and affordable. Uh, so you have to do volume. So then I had to learn how to scale and, and, and really find ways to contribute because most realtors, they do the same stuff. Like it makes me sad kind of because I see the same ads, the same, like, don't forget to wind your clocks and that stuff just really doesn't add value. And I don't, I don't know why they, that, I mean, it works for some people, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And I think ultimately we were talking about this earlier. I think ultimately you have to look at the landscape for just marketing in general and being that there's LinkedIn and all these things like, my question, I have a real question around, um, you know, I have a love and hate relationship with marketers, but but how are you going to stand out? Like, how are you actually going to make an actual connection that, you know, that makes people want to use you for business, I think is, is kind of the next frontier, I would imagine. Well, I'm going to give, I'm happy to give my playbook and everything I do is organic. It basically costs me no money, but like, all I do is like, man, like, where are the problems? How can I solve them? Mm-hmm. So a few things that I've done recently that I have been very happy with. Um, one thing I started was a moving to Louisville group. And uh, John Farber kind of inspired me to do this because somebody on his podcast was doing it. And I, I feel bad that I can't give them credit for it. But I started moving to Louisville group. And I told my clients, hey, guys, this is a way for you to pick up tenants for your rentals for free. I don't charge anything. And then I make them answer questions. So if I find out they're looking to buy, I reach out to them and and pick them up as clients. And if they're looking to rent, I just put them in there and I keep updating. I I read the news three or four times a day. I have four different websites. So I know everything going on in our city all the time. And I think that's kind of gives me an edge to be like, hey, have you thought about buying over here? They're putting in this property. It's going to make it way more walkable. So I know what's going on. And then you, you do become the smartest guy in the room when you know what's going on in your market. Um, so I read the news a ton. That's great value. Moving to Louisville. But then I started this, this uh, real estate investors tool sharing group recently. I don't make any money off of it, but it's just more value to give each other. And, you know, I think anything you can do to put out goodwill into the community is, is really important. I've been very fortunate too. I, I align myself with some of the biggest players in our market. Um, David Green is one of my clients. I work with David Green. Uh, he, he did a podcast episode on Bigger Pockets, and he, he just kind of referenced like kind of Louisville, but without saying Louisville, and a lot of people heard Louisville. So after seven people reached out to me, I was like, well, shoot, I need to reach out to David Green. So I was like, hey, David, you generated a lot of income for me. I'd love to return the favor. Why don't we host a happy hour out in California? So I brought title, property management. I brought, uh, what else did I bring? 13 like around 13 and a half million in off-market properties. And, and David, I don't, I don't know if you can cuss, but David said I was like, everyone yes. thinks you're full of crap because the kind of returns we're getting here relative to what they're getting in California, he's like, you'd have to buy in Compton to get these kind of returns. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's just our market and the entry level, but that was great. And then eventually aligning with him, now people just trust me. And I, I have a great infrastructure that uh, great property management title, everything like to take care of all these out-of-state investors and my local investors, um, but aligning with them. And then I started working with this guy named Harry Borders and he is the one who instilled the, the go-giver mentality in me. I've been running comps for all the wholesalers for like seven years and I never asked them for anything in return. I just did it just to be nice. And that built a lot of rapport and credibility with them. 
Um, but Harry Borders, I aligned with him and um, SurePoint Equity, a hard money lender here. And I started hosting these quarterly investor luncheons and we'd limit to 150 people. I'd bring in speakers um, a lot of time from out of town and uh, we'd limit it. And then that would be the Wednesday before our main like RIA meeting. And then so people would come in on a Wednesday, get to look around. Then Thursday, they would go to our RIA, which ours is one of the local, like only nonprofits in the country. And then they would get to brush shoulders and network with those people. So I call them double days. And there's just a lot of value in all of this. And you, you build all this goodwill and you're just trying to help people like things naturally start like flowing your way too. So I think there's a ton of value in that. Um, and one thing that's kind of come from all that, um, I actually, I don't invest that much. I'm going to, uh, Harry Borders, I, I really love Harry Borders. And he gives me a lot of insight. I'm just trying to buy 10 single families pay them off and then just, you know, cash flow about 10,000 and then leverage that to maybe buy like a 40, 80 unit, something just with the equity I have. But I don't like being competitors with my clients. Mm -hmm. um, so I try to come up with ways to help them. So the Louisville network, like I said, I've been running comps for like seven years for all these wholesalers. So what I did is said, um, have you ever seen the movie, the warriors? It's from like 1979 in New York city. You should watch it. It's a throwback, but Essentially, this guy, um, I don't remember his name, but he was trying to unite all the gangs against the police brutality and whatnot in New York City, 1979. It was kind of a hoot. So I kind of felt like I was doing the same thing with all the wholesalers. And I signed an NDA with all the wholesalers and got their buyers list and created a master list. So I have like a buyers list of over like 4,500 buyers for our small little market. So what they do is they upload their assignable contracts to the Louisville Network I had a CMA, it goes out, and then I charge $2,000 if it sells. So there's no risk involved for them, and it just gets their property or a signable contract, uh, signable contract out to a much bigger list. And so that creates a lot of passive income. So I don't have to like compete. I am rolling out this new thing, like just change your mind to like adding value, adding value. I'm rolling out this thing called the Louisville Financial Network to be um, run tandem to the Louisville network where I let private money offer their terms up, but I have it be a double blind situation where you can't put any identifiers. Then I have the investors reach out to me and then I charge like $200 if they do a deal together. And then I'll waive my fee if, I, if they give me the listing as the realtor. So more value and the more money my clients have access to, the more deals that get done. And it's just like, how does everyone win? It's so fucking smart. It's unbelievable because we can cuss. <laughs> oh yeah, this is my podcast. Uh, I, did, I did a I did a rant the other day, and I think I hit thirty, and I was like, God damn! I was like, oof. Even I got mad at myself. Um, it's interesting, right? On on a relative scale, you look at an Arizona, or you look at a Austin, or you look at a LA. Everybody's like knifing each other for deals, you know, or like all this stuff. That's why I always want to get a new construction because you're controlling the deal from start to finish. But essentially what you've done is to put it in context for people to understand. Everybody always asks me all the time, like, you know, well, how much does Airbnb charge? And I'm like, who gives a shit? It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't even exist. And they're like, what do you mean it doesn't exist? I'm like, would you be able to have somebody from China stay at your property? How would you do that? And they go, well, I couldn't. And I go, well, then what, what are we talking about here? Who cares what they take? Your mark, your property is marketed to the entire world. Yeah. And so essentially what you've done is created an avenue, a funnel, 
for your buyers. And now you're creating a separate funnel for money, which are the two things that you need most money and buyers. And you're the middle guy and then you're an agent and it's, it's a genius plane. It's worked out really well. And like, honestly, I'm just very fortunate. I'm kind of stumbling into this because uh, when I was started doing this stuff, I didn't know what like astro flipping or any of that stuff was. So we were probably doing it at the same time, but they do it at a like crazier level and whatnot. But, but I, it works for me and I don't, I have a lot of fun with it. And the question is like, what's the next thing to like chase down? So the financial networks next and then revamping the Louisville network, but I don't know where to go next. I mean, I, I, I think I want to write a book down the road about like how to um, change the way you look at things. Um, it, that's a quote from uh, bold from uh, Keller Williams, but uh, I'm trying to make every, every uh, liability become an asset. So like I'm, I did a house hack and I've got a, a fair amount of equity in it and I'm going to get a HELOC and I'm using that for burrs or to close on some of these whole wholesale deals and then relist them on the MLS. But yeah my house is going to cannibalize itself and I'm going to just use surplus money from it to pay down the house. Um, I just bought a Tesla and there's a, a, a tax loophole because of um, back in the day, United States bailed out GM, uh, the car industry, and they couldn't move Hummer. So they made this rule that if it weighs X amount of money, you can take a hundred percent depreciation. So Tesla's weigh a lot of weight because of the battery. So I can write off the whole thing and then I bought it. So it's going to robo taxi people and whenever that comes out as well. And I have a charging station in my garage and the side of my house so people can charge at my house. Let everything pay for itself. I think it's the like I have a client, um, uh, Brett and Eric, they are buying RV or buying RVs and then renting them out for nine fifty a week. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to buy an RV now. And then you can buy a lake house as a second home and only put 10% down. It's like, well, I'm going to have a lake house now. So all these doctors and lawyers are doing all these things, but it's just a liability. And then they're swimming in debt or they have to keep working. Whereas if you can make it something cool for you and your family and everything, it's just like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you do it? Well, I think the key, the linchpin to the whole scenario before we unpack all of that is that you entered into these relationships and these businesses not seeking anything. And I think, I think through that clear vision, you were able to stumble in without feeling salesy or anything, because ultimately you were just trying to create a vehicle for people. Well, that's another thing that's interesting is with investors, really, there's no sales involved anyway. It's does, does the, do the numbers work? And I always tell them, I was like, Hey, I try to sell 20 houses a month. So if this one deal falls apart, it's not going to make or break me. So like, I don't take it personally. And mm-hmm. the cool thing is I have um, today legitimately like five, six out-of-state investor calls and I spend 20 minutes with them up front, set them up on drips. They get signed up on the Louisville network and I introduce them to my, my sphere, sphere of influence. And then they reach out to me when they want to write an offer. Like I have, I have probably have thousands of fishing lines out. So, I mean, just doing a little work. It's kind of like a, uh, a self-directed IRA. You get taxed up front. But then you get all the reward in the back with none of the tax, time tax. It's kind of like that. Well, what's interesting, and before we go uh, off on business ideas, because I just want to, I want to, for pure pure selfishness, sorry, everybody who's listening, we're going to go into a dark hole very soon. (laughs) But but, (laughs) because it's my podcast. So uh, what's interesting, right? And this is what people don't understand because I study the psychology of human behavior, meaning the buying and spending and moving, right? Sure. 
I've been to Louisville multiple times. I think it's one of the most underrated cities in America. I don't know why it's not bigger. It's happening. Mm-hmm. But talk about what you're seeing since COVID. And you're seeing, I know, I know we're seeing it in Texas. But what I think is we had an urbanization for 20 years. And I think with COVID, we've flipped it, even when it wasn't supposed to be. Are you seeing the same thing that I'm seeing? Well, it just, it's like the perfect storm. Because it all like, it. okay, in 2008, we lost like a substantial amount of our builders, but we also have nowhere to build in Louisville. Mm-hmm. So everything's been moving out rural because there was places to build. But now with downtown and not having to travel, those places are becoming really lucrative mm-hmm. and there's space. So, and then especially like with these robo taxis and everything coming out too, like traveling doesn't matter as much and people want to spread out. So um, I was talking to, who was I talking to? Oh, Man, I feel bad I can't source them. But, um, oh, it's Frank Miller, who I'm taking his flipping course right now. But uh, he, he talked to his lender, and he, the lender had 11 loans going. Only one of them was in Jefferson County. All of them were, all, all 10 of the other ones were in rural areas. Mm-hmm. And it's, just, it's very competitive price-wise. I, I have a house under contract that three years ago you, you could have bought for 110 and we sold it for 200 Like mm-hmm. It's crazy. So, yes. And uh, Louisville has been very insulated. Um, surprising fun fact. Second largest independent restaurant scene in the country. That, okay. That's getting hit pretty hard. But I think what it's doing is really killing off the things that would have died anyway. 100%. Um, and forcing a little bit of retirement. Well, if you look at it from a scale, right, yeah. on business, which I talked to multiple people in different sectors. I was in private equity. Like when they're laying off people five days into COVID. Yeah. Shit was already, shit was already maxed out i think that a lot of people got caught uh they were thinking the the dance was going to keep continuing so yeah it it and honestly like we're still getting new restaurants opening up i mean like our market it's it's fire but the the big industries here um the u.s postal service we have a world hub here because we're within six hours of 60 percent of the country Mm -hmm. they're thriving everybody's mailing everything we have amazon here they're opening another facility here um Mm -hmm. So those two are killing it. Humana's killing it, insurance. And then bourbon is, people are drinking a lot right now. So really, we're doing phenomenal. Uh, like I think Bigger Pockets had us as the sixth best market for collecting rent in the country. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, we're, we're a hidden gem. And I, honestly, though, to be fair, I really like the whole Midwest. I like Dayton, Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, Lexington, Indianapolis. I think they're all great. I mean, like you really can't go wrong. Chattanooga, like, there's, there's so many cool places. Uh, I'm just very fortunate. I don't even know if I'd be half the realtor in a market that wasn't like investor friendly. Like you put me in LA, I'd sell a house a year probably. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. And so what do you think, it, you know, I, I, you know, I'm talked to a lot of new agents. There's a lot of new agents out there as sure. a new agent, just kind of your advice of like how to, because I know everybody wants to do the same thing. Everybody wants to become an investor agent, but you said it earlier. There's not a lot of money in the deals. No, no, there's not. Especially like I was on a team when I started too. So I was giving up 50% of that Keller Williams. So they were taking another 30%. I was making like no money. Uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, the thing is, okay, so we, uh, I'm on the board of our local RIA and we have 730 members. So as a new agent, you walk in there, like, people are buying and selling. This is where I need to be. And then you, you just don't get any fruit. Those first two times you show up and then they give up. And investors are tough. You have to learn how to treat each other, like set expectations. 
because they'll walk on you. They'll ask for reduced commissions. They will, you know, ask you to scrape the windshield or whatever. They'll ask you to go out there and do stuff like you really shouldn't be doing. And as a new agent, you're like, yeah, probably that's fine. But yesterday um, I have a property I got into the contract and this guy, he had his agent license in Florida. He's like, ah, I'll let you represent me if you give me 50% of, of the commission. I was like, yeah, not really worth it for me. And then of course I ended up getting both sides with a different client because think about this. Why wouldn't someone list with me? Because I can advertise my deals anywhere I want. So my buyers list that I have, for the ah. Luma network is also where I advertise investment properties. Ah, so I both I double side almost. I would say fifty percent of my deals. I okay. Side. Well, hold on. For anybody that doesn't understand that, walk us through as slow as you can. Mid Rob. Okay, so I, I created this buyers list. So I have over forty five hundred people on the Louisville network, and it, it it grows every day too. Especially like going on podcasts like this, and. I send out my investment properties, my my uh, potential burrs that I have listings. I send them out there too. So, I mean, I don't really do it for flips because they're, um, unless it has turnkey rental potential, uh, but anything else I send out on there. And so my my California people, they love safe little properties. And like, so I, I both sides quite a few deals. It's, it's uh, where I get the buyer and the seller. And do you know how smooth those deals are too? Because I like control the narrative. I make like my my um, admin Colleen. She can just handle everything at one time. It, it's just kind of awesome, and I know where we're going to close. I know the inspection company. Like everything's just very seamless. Uh, it just takes the guesswork out of it. So, and I think ultimately, what I appreciate about your personality is this didn't happen overnight. But 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 you're a tinker, and you've kind of just like push forward, push forward. Okay, now let's. Here's what we're gonna. Here's the thing, and then we're gonna smash some good people and systems around it, and then we're gonna take this thing, and then we're gonna move on to the next thing. It seems like I would imagine that when somebody hears your story, just because I know you, they would think, "Man, this guy's really busy." I doubt. I mean, don't get me wrong, you're busy, but I don't think you're as busy as it sounds. Oh no, no, no. I uh, today is like my busiest day of the week, but if if I look at my calendar, uh today's actually just really packed for some reason, but tomorrow I have one conference call and then I'm doing a Brian Simmons go-giver. I, mean, I See, signed up. For that's what I'm saying. I had and a feeling. Yeah. One conference call on Thursday with a new client and then I don't have anything on Friday. Like, so yeah, but I like, but I try to use that time to like Peloton and like, you know, I try to better myself during that time I'm reading. I started doing blink. Some of these, these book, like business books are really tough to grind through. Yes. So I've been doing blink because it's like one hour it's very concise and I'm so ADD. And I think usually that's a bad thing, but it it works for me. But I really like Blink. I don't have any ownership in it. I just think it's been really good for me. No, I like it too. And and I think, you know, what I've been doing is is uh I listen to it on like two five. And so yeah. I can knock out a book pretty good. But I think great. I think for me is there's like there's books that you want to like dive into. And then there's a lot of books that you take like one or two points out of what's interesting to me. I don't know if I would tell my younger self this, but somehow I kind of fell ass backwards into a lot of these books. I yeah. wish I would have, I wish I would have got this information at 21, but, but at 38 somehow in life, I kind of, you know, it worked out. I worked out. Yeah. yeah. And, but don't. Okay. So another tangent, 
Think about how deliberate you become just like from picking up one little thing here, one little thing there. I mean, you transformed your body. You're doing a water fast. Like you're doing, are you past? I mean, are, are you're I'm, like, on, I'm 160. Hard. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, that's insane. And so like, but I think if you can apply a little bit of everything, like you become this, like, I'm, I had sleep at me. Uh, I, I think on John's podcast, I talked about morning wood, you know, like I like, I was falling asleep at red lights falling asleep at red lights and people, even then when I was like, uh, like heavier, uh, people still thought I was an energy guy then. And then now it's like, whoo, but like, it is crazy. Like how much thing that little catalyst has been such a huge change for my entire life. I'm, well, you know, what's interesting, a couple of things there that are very important to one thing that I've always loved, especially when I get around high achievers and big time investors, I, they're the pickers. And what I mean by that is, you know, the game, where you, you pick the thing, they, they survey the room, they survey books, and they take the ideas they need, and then they leave everything else. Mm-hmm. The other group of people take everything and try to, you know, you can't. Just take a little bit. Yeah, just take a little bit. And here's the bigger thing. When I coach somebody, and let's say their life is not where they want it to be, or they're making a bunch of money in their personal life shit, doesn't matter. Health, what you eat, when you sleep. These are the things that when you nail those, everything else is fucking secondary. It's way easier. I, I agree with you hundred percent. Like just, just drinking more water, like has been a game. Changer. I think that we, I think two things. One, Zach Efron showed me that we don't know what the fuck we're drinking. First of all, I got a zero filter. I've never tasted water like this in my life. Second thing is, is a hundred percent agree with you. I don't think anybody's drinking enough water. Oh yeah. And my like skin, like I feel it. Like, I don't know. Like I just feel more vibrant. I don't know. It, and it, like I'm on a diet too. I do like low carb keto and all that stuff, but like the water's been the game changer. Like I, it's just easier. I just, I don't feel lethargic at all. Like, I don't know. I, it is crazy how cyclical all this stuff is though. Um, 100%. And so for the last couple of minutes, I want to <laughs> guys, this is so for me and Rob, don't you don't even know what's about to happen. All right. So I'm trying to think of a business idea I can give you that, that I don't really want to do, but, but ultimately I, I got something that'll pique your interest because okay. I think that as a society, especially players, like people that have money, I think their spending habits are changing. I think that a lot of people, I was in Costa Rica and all the agents, the brokers were American. And I'm like, the fuck is going on down here? And they're like, uh, well, these two dudes from LA came down here 20 years ago, loved it, never left and started, you know, recruiting people from America and they're all Americans. And he said, what happens is, is that a, a really rich family will go in, they say drop 2 million, uh, pay cash. And then they're like, Hey, uh, we're fucking bored. We're, we're moving to the Maldives and they'll just like, just sell it. And so I think that the two models that I think will work really well, the rent model to, to have access to multiple, multiple properties, but, but for multiple investors to go in on investments together. And so you can leverage out. Okay. So that is, it's so funny you say this because I have been tinkering with something in my head. Cause I think I'm, I'm obviously I'm really immersed. I read Elon Musk like biography. And then I, I make, I make myself, I do so much Reddit research on literally everything. Like my, my nail clippers, at least 20 minutes in Reddit research. But, so I think this is if, if 
this is the future of travel for people, I think, is imagine East Coast, you know, Midwest, South, North, whatever, East Coast. I think we we create a roadmap. Hey, you're you're doing a two week road trip across the country. You get here's your budget of five thousand dollars. You get to pick three A's and two B's and four C's with this budget. We show them it. And then so in Chicago, they live it up and do an A. But when they're they're in Iowa, they're like, I'll do a C property. So you control the travel. And then the cars just go back. Like they'll be like travel buses so they can drink whoever what they whatever they want with their friends. And then we would just own the whole travel. And then they could pick their destinations based on A, B and C's. And I just think that's Yeah, right. Do you own better? Then you retarget marketing to Europe. And so Europe, they come um, and that's and they just already have it planned. That you're it's even cooler in Europe. For, in my, maybe that's because I'm American, but yeah, dude, that's so awesome. And then like um, there's this guy named Brian. You should bring him on sometime. He's awesome. We were talking, and they're buying up all of these Teslas in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And they're buying a huge warehouse, solar, everything. And then they're going to robo taxi, but they're also going to clean people's taxi or their Teslas at night. And I was like, Hey, dude, well, I met this guy. Two stories I got for you. I was in Arizona. I rented a Tesla because I wanted to drive one and found out that the owner of tour, this guy had 60 cars, 60 cars. And how it started was his wife wanted a Tahoe. He wanted a Corvette. And so they paid him off in like a year. And so he just started buying cars and he had somebody that cleaned him and everything. But I heard something on Clubhouse. This is going to get your this is going to get your tingle going. He was in San Francisco area and he's walking like a 50, like a just a massive fucking commercial space that was being built, like 50,000 square feet. And he said, what are those? What are those things? And they're like, you don't know what those are. And so they were drone ports. And apparently they were talking about being having to have 15 minute deliveries in major cities with drones for, for delivery for services. Yeah, that's the future is going to be the weirdest thing. Like, it is. Gosh, uh, man, my ideas have been real. Do you know what's cool is the more people you socialize and talk with, the more like things just come to you. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so I've got some really off, like, this is like, I'm so, this isn't me, but like, when you see a need, it's like, gosh, like last night I had the weirdest idea when I, before I was going to bed. Uh, no, I don't even want to go there, but there was another one. Okay. Uh, this is the weirdest thing because guys, I am like a wholesome dude. Uh, but like, I don't even know if I want to get into it, but like, I, I don't know if I, okay. Well, okay. So it's called VP porn, which stands for vanilla porn, right? Because um, I had a friend, <laughs> their, 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 their child's ran into some like a neighborhood kid and they showed some stuff or whatever. And then they watched some like porn that like about stepsisters or whatever. And like they said, Oh, I know everything about sex. We don't need to talk about it after watching that 20 minute clip. So I was like, well, we need to have some kind of back end thing that gets rid of all the weird stuff and like has more like girl next door kind of stuff because <laughs> they don't need to be exposed to like BDSM and all this weird stuff. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know. So I no, thought, I, sorry guys, if you were listening in the car with your kids, but no, I, dude, it's so funny that you say that. Cause I was, I'm obsessed with this comedian who has a podcast called Theo Vaughn. And he's funny. I mean, this dude is like, he was telling stories about like, he like used to do cocaine and wear a bunch of vests and be like 
running the blender at night for smoothies. I mean, he tells funny stories, but he was talking about how in porn, everybody's just trying to one up each other. And he says, shit's just getting off the rails. He goes, we got to dial it down. Yeah. Okay. But wait, I, but wanna... I, had a whole, I had a wholesome thing to go along with it though. And I called it the curriculum and I haven't really thought it all out, but it would be like my parents, they paid me or not paid me. They would buy me video games or CDs. If I read these biological books and then I could answer a few questions as a kid. We really didn't like talking about stuff like that. But I want to start something called the curriculum, which has like my girl, where you see this boy, girl, they, they're in love. Macaulay Culkin. Okay, like I don't movie. know if I want you to finish this story. No, no, no. It, so essentially, it's just like progressive movies that just show you what love is. And then it never gets too crazy. But it's like it shows that love is something between someone that you like know, not with a stranger. Mm-hmm. Like there's feelings involved. Like I think it's just like a more proper way to show kids. Like relative to like just crazy stuff. But my dude, okay, so this I'll tell you the weird idea I had last night. It was called, I don't know, it was like the implication or something. Uh, and that's from Always Sunny, but it was like basically it would anonymously send texts to people. So I would send one to you and say, Austin, I really want to see you run around town in the, the Bora outfit. And people like you wouldn't know who's asking and who's paying, but you would do it and there would be video of it. So like, so you could ask people to do crazy stuff and pay them anonymously. And then you would just take a cut. I but this is, I have more wholesome stuff like my yard sale apps. Okay. So Gary Vee never respond to me on this and he's a fool, but if you are an app developer, please, I think this could be really cool. But essentially I want to reverse engineer how yard sales work. So I want to call it treasure hunt, which is two on the nose, but essentially what I want to do is, Let's say you want a Michael Jordan rookie card and you say, I'm willing to pay $100, which is really ridiculously cheap. But you say you're willing to pay $100. Well, my grandparents or these hipster kids will go to the yard sale and ask this person, how much is this Michael Jordan card? And they'll say $5. Well, they know they have a $95 spread in it because I already have the in buyer. So it would lock in the in buyer at $100 and it would move. But you'd, you would have to take a picture at the yard sale. I want it to be like a treasure hunt. So now you can go through yard sales, pull up every record. Oh, someone's willing to buy this. Someone's willing to buy this. Gives you something to do every weekend at estate sales, whatever. And everyone gets what they want. The in buyer, the treasure hunters. I don't understand why it doesn't exist. Guys, see, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You just went into the black hole for the last 15 minutes. This is how these phone conversations go. It goes because some of these ideas may be throwing what what I'm trying to understand. They might be throwing uh, darts at the wall. Yeah. But but through all this, you've built, you've thought outside the box. And what I think is the new currency in America is coming up with these innovative things and stuff like that. And so if people want to find out about your buyers list, they want to find out about all that stuff that you do. How would they go about doing that? Oh, well, um, you can email me at rob at the Louisville network.com, uh, rob at ROI Louisville.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at Robert Bergeron, more, way more professional name there. Um, and then those are probably the best ways to get a hold of me. But literally, like, my only thing is any realtor can do everything I'm doing. Just don't provide fluff, provide value. Like it's just really important. Um, and then, I mean, even doing this podcast, think about all the people you're bringing value and then think it's just so smart. Yeah. You're, you're killing it and you're being so deliberate in your life. I mean, that's gotta be rubbing off on everybody around you too. 
I would hope. You know what's odd for me? And it's what? not even on purpose. But there's like seven people doing 75 hard because of me. <laughs> and I didn't even do anything, right? And it's, so it's like, if that can do something for you, like then then great. I mean, I did I did what I'm supposed to and 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 we're we're good. And like I have my own reasons behind it and 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 so I'm good, you know. And so it's it's one of those things where it's a byproduct of just of just being just being who you are. And I think that's what I I champion everybody to do. And guys, if you like this episode, make sure you send it out to your friends and uh, we'll see you next time. Pleasure, Austin. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Construct Your Life with Austin Lenny. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to start constructing your life by taking immediate action on what you learned. For show notes, resources, and more information on one-on-one coaching with Austin, visit constructyourlifepodcast.com.